This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 193, which is airing in mid-April of 2021. We're going to be talking with Jesse from YNAB, which is You Need a Budget. Sarah's favorite budgeting app. And so we are very excited to have that. We will also be on that podcast. Maybe we already have been or we will be later. We're doing a a podcast trade-off there. We always love doing those. We have many of our favorite podcasts that we've been able to do that with, which has been a very exciting thing with with doing Best of Both Worlds. We are actually back from spring break. Sarah, you have mid-April spring breaks? No, we will have just gotten back. Well, no, we're not going away this year. What am I talking about? No, I just <laughs> thought, you're right. I guess I guess this is after spring break. But some people, I guess, have late, maybe mid-April or mm-hmm. late March. Either way, thought it would be a fun thing to think about, as most many of us might be thinking more about next year than we were about this year. Um, <laughs> or maybe you've just started to think about summer travel. Um, oh, yeah. You know, many people decided not to do that last year, which kind of made sense. Uh, we didn't go anywhere in 2020. And we have made the plunge to finally book a uh, VRBO 
up in Amelia Island, which is one of our favorite places. And it's my first VRBO experience. We were going to do one in um, North Carolina in uh, March of 2020. Understandably, that didn't happen. But we took a pretty disastrous trip in 2019 with a toddler in a hotel room. And we're like, wow, never doing that again. And yet we didn't know at the time that that was going to be our last family trip for a very long time. So, you know, a lot of time has passed. We no longer really have a toddler. We have a, you know, quasi preschooler. And we are going to have a lot more space than we've ever had on prior trips. So I'm pretty excited about it. So I guess maybe I was thinking more about summer plans and spring break, but a lot of people may have just gotten back from spring break and maybe it was their first time traveling in a long time. And I'd be curious to how that that went for people. Yeah, we're big fans of VRBO or Verbo or however they say it, and Home Away, which is the same parent. That because well, with a family of my size, it's hotel rooms are hard. There are some. So some of the big resorts, for instance, have like two bedroom suites. Um, I know that Disney has a lot of uh, those type things, which we have definitely stayed in. Um, you pay through the nose for them, but they do exist. But in normal sort of hotel situations, you have to get two rooms, which is always complicated because then you, you know, you split the parents and you split the kids and you hope you're next to each other. Sometimes you get the door between them can open and that's great. But sometimes you're, for whatever reason, on like different floors, (laughs) and the coordination is just zero fun whatsoever. Sometimes it's even with fewer people. When we went to London with the three big kids in 2018, apparently in Greater London, you you almost can't have more than three people in a hotel room. I don't know what the rules are there, why that is as it is, but we absolutely could not book anywhere for more than three people in a hotel room. And so we had to get two. And like, I mean, we were in like opposite sides of the hotel going up three, four flights of stairs. So it's, you know, some places are not set up for that. Whereas when you rent a house, you can get the space. And so we have definitely booked a lot of vacation homes that way. And then, you know, you have the benefit of having a kitchen. So you can have breakfast food, for instance, these days, you can get, you know, groceries delivered when you're showing up, and then you have groceries, and you don't have to go out for breakfast, which it's fun to go out for breakfast, but may not work into everything. And it can get old. <laughs> it yeah, can get it old. Can get you're old. like, Oh, I just need a coffee like where is it no i'm I'm, we're we're pretty excited and it's just nice to have like something planned after like such a long period of not really feeling the freedom to plan anything but i feel this is quite safe we are obviously vaccinated i'm hoping the travel guidelines were stop we'll start to maybe have a little more um leeway so that people can feel really good about doing more but even without just getting out but driving to a a villa on the beach seems like a, a perfect um pretty pandemic proof getaway. So I'm very excited. Yeah. So we ideally, by the time this is airing, our spring break will have been a bunch of day trips in Philadelphia and the North Mid-Atlantic Northeast area. I know we're going to Gettysburg that we have tickets for the museum. So you'll get a little Civil War reenactment type fun. And we will see about the cherry blossoms in DC. So Pennsylvania relaxed our travel restrictions. I know DC still have some, so we may not be able to do it on that end. But we had been, you know, I was saying, well, if you left the state for, it, it was more than 24 hours, but sometimes people are a little unclear on that. You had to quarantine or test which you can do. We have tested upon returning to the state, but it just adds a layer of complexity to it. So 
we had originally planned to do some day trips in Pennsylvania also because I don't want to take Henry anywhere overnight. I mean, it is hellish enough in our own house with him right now. And so I'm pretty sure we would wind up in the exact same situation that you did in Amelia Island when Genevieve was this age, right? Like she was what, 17 months and you had that same. Yeah, right around that. I think she yeah. was about, yeah, I think that's almost exactly right. And um, yeah, it's funny because I was kind of like, well, from a travel perspective, like I'm not that sad about missing that particular year of travel for our <laughs> yes. family. Like that actually worked out pretty that decently. A, that was a good year to have off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, let's let's hear what the folks at You Need a Budget have to say. Well, Sarah and I are delighted to be here with Jesse Meekham, who is the founder of YNAB. You need a budget. So, Jesse, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. I started YNAB back in 2004 when I was studying to become an accountant. And uh, my wife and I got married early. And we uh, had our first early as well. And when I felt like we needed to make some more money, that was where that was how YNAB was born. I, I thought we, we got to figure out some way to make rent. So we, we launched it back when uh, I still had a few years of school left. And then I went off and became a CPA for 10 months. Actually, I was officially a CPA for a year. You, just, you have to renew it. And if you don't, that's the end of that. So um, we didn't last long there. The, the work hours were, were grueling. And I had two little boys at that point, never saw them. The, the moment where I knew this was not a thing for me, I, it was a Saturday, a rare Saturday that I had off. And we, I would leave around 6.30. The boys weren't awake yet. They were two and zero, essentially. And then I would come home at 10.30. Julie and I would be able to say hey to each other for a moment and then repeat. And it was six days a week. So there was a Saturday where Porter, my two-year-old, did something that made me mad and I yelled at him. And Julie, my wife, just turned on me. And in in a very like mama bear kind of way was like, you have no time with him. And anytime you do have, you're going to do that. And it was like, oh yeah, this is this is I, I was stressed. I was sapped emotionally spent. So that was when I knew that this was not a long-term thing for us. So we jumped ship and I started working on you need a budget all the time. And I've never made my employees work like that again. It's so, so, un, <laughs> it's so unkind. It's side, side note, but yeah, that was how it started. So we just, we've, we never took funding or anything. It's just been kind of a slow, a slow burn, just growing the team over the last 17 years now. And growing your family too. You guys are up to how many? That's true. We're up to seven. So <laughs> our little guy, he came a year ago, perfect timing. It was well, you know this, Laura, it was like, it was a little bit iffy at that time. Like you go to the hospital and you're like, is this going to be, what's it going to be like? Luckily for us, it was totally with the pandemic and stuff, a non-event. It was just very, very chill. Everything went fine. Because I, I mean, I admit I did, I had read a few home birth books at that point. Cause I was like, I don't know. Well, by number happen. seven, I mean, you might wind up with an inadvertent home I, birth. I mean, yeah, it- <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's actually not far off. It, yeah. I just... <laughs> I will tell you this, if you're wondering about home birth, YouTube is the place to go to find out if you want to or you don't. <laughs> like, no Either way. way. Yeah. Yes. So. Well, I, I narrowly avoided it, but um, it, was, it was not a, you know, not a whole lot of time in the hospital before the baby yeah. was actually it, born. It's just an efficient hospital visit is what I would call it. An efficient it. hospital so, visit, you yeah. know, in and out. It's all, it's all good. 
So Sarah is a YNAB veteran. She has been tracking her spending using YNAB for years. But why don't you tell it for our listeners who are not familiar mm-hmm. with it um, exactly how it works and, and why it works? So first, first and foremost, it's a way of thinking about your money. We do sell software to pay the bills, but it, it really is a way to think and structure your money to where you can get a little bit of control. And you can feel like your money is lining up and doing what you really want it to do. So anything I talk about, where if I ever mention the software, just know that it's not software focused. It's You could implement it with a spreadsheet. You could implement it with a notebook. You could probably use one of our competitors and still be thinking right and using one of their pieces of software. Don't tell me if you do. But but the the idea is around four rules. Number one is to give every dollar a job and you only give jobs to money that you actually have. So you can't say, I will get money. It's just money you have on hand right now. When new money comes in, you do the same thing. Give every dollar a job. The second rule is to look ahead and we call it embracing your true expenses. But we're talking about looking ahead and thinking about larger, less frequent expenses that should be considered as you are weighing what you should do with your money today. So if you're going to write a novel, you would you would say, well, I'm not going to write the novel all today, but I might write 10 pages today. And then you would know that if you did that repeatedly, you would have enough for a novel. And people get sidetracked, or not sidetracked, but kind of blindsided by a car repair or a large expense. And it's just because they aren't considering that that expense should be brought into the equation of how they're planning their money today. Our third rule shouldn't be a rule, but we tell people to roll with the punches, meaning you just made a plan with your money and it's your money, so it's your plan. You are allowed to change it if you would like to. And people find a lot of freedom. They, they've associated budgeting with restriction and failure, for sure. And now we're trying to say, it's more like you're making adjustments at halftime and you're the coach of a team. And, and you're just seeing how the game is going and making calls as needed. And then our fourth rule, we call it aging your money. And we really try and get people by following the first three rules, this will happen, usually in about six months. We get people to where they're spending money that they earned 30 days ago, at least. So a dollar I earn today, I won't need to actually use until 30 days from now. We get people away from the financial edge. They make better decisions. They literally sleep better. Fights are no longer fights. They're discussions because the stress levels aren't so high. It's, it's a good thing in, in many ways. So that's kind of a high level view. And I've spent the last 17 years talking about those four rules until I'm blue in the face, basically. Well, it's interesting that you see, you see so much of a psychological difference with just 30 days. I mean, I don't know, maybe if I'm just like way more conservative, like I don't sleep well until it's like six months, a year yeah. <laughs> plus yeah. <laughs> more. Yeah. Uh, let's... yeah. You're, you're not average. You're not normal. I mean, most people, and I've, I've learned so much more about this going forward, even high earning physicians. So many of them are literally living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And I've even had people tell me like, Oh, I'm going to like buy this Tesla, but I need to like wait for my next thing to put it. I'm like, are you st-? like what? Anyway, I certainly don't think like that. I- Certainly anymore. I don't know if I ever did, but you, I, I, I'm shocked by how many people that's actually normal and it's incredibly stressful. Yeah. I want to ask a selfish question. So my sister, I'm trying to get to use, you need a budget, but she is a shop owner. 
And so her income is very variable. She owns a yarn store. You might mm. imagine that the winter is a is a but is a boon, but the summer is not yeah. great. So what do you do in those cases if it's an entrepreneur or somebody that has a really variable income? How do you help them plan? It's it's a lot easier if you're starting at the end of the boom and you have all of this cash piled up and you're just like, I am flush. Um, it, it's not always the case. But what you what you want to be doing is think, I mean, it's essentially the same exercise of true expenses, embracing that, looking ahead for larger, less frequent expenses that you'll need to hit. For for your sister, I would have her be budgeting money into months well ahead of that 30 days that I just mentioned. I mean, Laura is off. I mean, I think Laura, I'm not speaking out of turn. I think you're you're essentially self-employed and what you do is yeah, what I you am do, as well. right? Yeah. So I mean, you there's a you might be conservatively wired anyway to to just want that security of of lots of cash. As if there was an axiom here or like a heuristic, the more volatile the income, the bigger the buffer you need. Because you you might need to have it have that volatility be slightly absorbed on the dips. And then the important part and more important part for whether it's you know a realtor right now realtors are making more money than they've ever made in their lives and and so they're 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 just the 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 thing about like make hay while the sun shines that's that's a real thing like there's a reason that phrase has stayed around forever and what we want to do is make sure that when money is flush we're looking ahead and we're thinking okay future me future me will not have this much money so let's put future me here across the table and now you're always budgeting with the two of you if you're in, in a you know, you're sharing finances with your spouse. There are, there are actually four of you. There's like future Laura, current Laura, and they're all vying for dollars right now. And that's, that's a good conversation to have. That's what we want. So your sister needs to think about future sister. What's her name? Rebecca. 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 Future Rebecca and Rebecca. You have to sit down and be like, okay, future Rebecca, what would you like me to do for you right now? And that's when you start funding things out and stretching those dollars out. I've found that teaching people about the future version of themselves that's on the side of the road that can't afford a tow truck, they're like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that to him or her. We, we really shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not to future Rebecca. We're going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back. So we are here talking with Jesse Meekham about you need a budget. Um, so Jesse, one of the things we talk about and uh, sometimes with best of both worlds is we all have different conceptions of normal. I mean, we're talking about this, you know, I'm, I'm sort of conservatively wired when it comes to finances and things like that. I'm very curious as, as you've seen so many budgets and so many people's finances, have you realized that you had any sort of weird notions of money that um, other people don't share that were more unique to you or that are less common? I think I'm an ever optimizer, to be frank. And I've had to kind of like bat that down to a degree because at some point the law of diminishing returns kicks in. The best example I have for the ever optimizer meets the naturally smart and beautiful woman that is his wife. That's the story. And when we were first married, Julie and I were, she's naturally frugal. And I am an optimizer. So that's just a nice way of saying frugal, unless it suits my needs, right? I remember we would go grocery shopping and Julie would know the price of everything, just absolutely everything. And we would shop around even. We would, you know, get the circular, whatever it's called, and we would go to another store and we were and we would spend between the two of us when we were first married, we would spend $120 a month. 
which is hilarious. I can't even get out of Costco for that with you know one trip. So, you know, years go on, and I'm always trying to optimize the budget with specifically groceries. And at that time, gro- grocery shopping fell on Julie. Now it actually is reversed. It's, it's fallen back on me again. But at the time, she was the one that would go out and shop. And she has these four kids. And I'm always like, man, we're always overspending in groceries. We're always overspending in groceries. And can we move it down? Can we do this? And she, she would agree because she, she's, she's, a, she's a one on the Enneagram. So she was just like, well, it would be right to do this. You know, like, I feel like there's a rightness here. So she would agree to it. And then we wouldn't, we wouldn't hit it. And it was just this point for years and years. I mean, like 10. Finally, one time I go and it's same old conversation again. And I'm like, Julie, what are we, we, do you think we like, we're always overspending? And she goes, a successful grocery trip for me is we go in and out and the kids don't melt down that we have no kid drama. And then it was like, Oh, I've been optimizing off of dollars spent instead of after, you know, off of the experience of the shopper. And that, that has, that was like a, I don't know, like a crack in the dam in a good way for me around recognizing, like, you need to not just say, I want to do my money for this. And like this, this money should go here. This money should go here. But also ask yourself, like, what am I optimizing for when I go to Starbucks every day for coffee? And I'm not doing, I'm not using that as a bad example. Just like fully aware, like, what are you optimizing for? What am I optimizing for with a grocery trip? And we, I added money to the budget and we never overspent again. And then, and she was, it was a success for her in that way. And I don't know, I've, that's stuck with me for a lot of years. Like not just where do you want to spend your money, but like a little bit of a deeper why, like what's the, what's the reason here? Why are you pushing down on this spending? Or why do you want that spending to be so high? Either direction's fine, but just question it a little bit and see what happens. And when you're with your spouse, I mean, bless her heart. She hung with me for 10 years on the whole, Hey, you're overspending, you're overspending. But even she had to kind of be like, Oh wait, you know, this is why it's because I don't care, you know, in the, in the nicest way. That's what she was saying. Like, I don't care about what you care about here. And it, it ended up being a big success for us. So that's interesting that you uh, talk about, you know, just like putting more money in a category. Cause I think a lot of people have this idea with budgeting that, you can't just do that. (laughs) It's supposed to be as low as possible all the time. It's supposed to be as low as possible. Um, So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about why high income people might still need a budget. So your, your product is called, you need a budget. And I presume that you is somewhat universal in this case. It's not everybody except Bob needs a budget. It's, it's you need a budget. So let's say that people are in that happy place where the money coming in is generally significantly higher than the money that is going out for their, their normal life, you know, maintenance and such. What would be the upside to budgeting for them? Well, the, the upside is more money is flowing through. So you get to use more money for things that you want or care about. And the, your, your impact's greater. Uh, Bill Gates has a budget. It just has loads of zeros at the end. But he, you, I mean, you think about their, their whole foundation. The, you know, like they, they have all this money. And do you think there's not strategy and thinking and tactics around how are we going to deploy this money to eradicate you know, whatever it is? And that's the, the bit that I think is interesting is when you make more money, it just... Means you need to be even more thoughtful about how it should be used because you're you're blessed. 
you know, you're lucky. You're um, you're able. You like things are working for you in a way that is so rare across the history of time that you really could just say, man, this is. I don't know if I should call it a stewardship or just the right thing, but when when you are blessed with that much success, then I think it's incumbent upon you to say, I need to be thoughtful about how these resources are deployed. And I don't mean that it all goes to charity. I just mean that you are thinking hard about what matters to you because the only way you'll find that peace and like this satisfaction, this contentment is knowing that the money is doing what you really want it to do, where people feel the misalignment. That's where they're feeling like, God, what's, what's going on? They get their W-2, you know, high earners, low earners. It's all the same. They all think HR made a mistake. They're like, there's no way I made this much money this year. And HR never makes mistakes. So you, it was that, you know, but it's that idea of just like this rec- reconciling, okay, gosh, there's something more here. I just can't let it slip through my fingers. So high earners, I don't say you, you know, wouldn't say you have an obligation, but you certainly have an opportunity to really have an impact because you've been blessed with the ability and environment and whatever else it takes to make more money than you, than you, I don't want to say need. I hate the word need. You have plenty, you know, to be able to have an impact in some way. I don't like needs and wants. That's why I said that needs, wants, it's like, it's such a lame bifurcation of words. It's like, oh, well, that's a need. So I never question that spending again. It's like, well, oh, that's interesting. But if it's a want, then you question that. Well, they're all wants. Do you want to have a house that your kids live in? Yes, I do. Okay. It's all wants, you know? So anyway, tangent. I just, I just had a, like, like a parallel, John, which is that, Laura, you know, I'm not a good time tracker, but I'm a huge time planner. I think I use YNAB in many ways as a money planner. even though there is a tracking component as well. So I can see how well I am doing my plan. So like it allows me to know, okay, how much is a good amount to be putting into my 529s and how much do I want to be saving for my taxable and how much would I want to be saving for my future car and what bucket does that go in? And, and, and as you know, I am also a huge fan of the allowance um, for the personal fund money because you and your husband, I think are an anomaly. If you never have arguments about your own personal spending, for me, it's so much healthier for us to know we have no questions asked money that we can save and do what with, with what we please. Um, and I think many, many couples, if not the majority, probably benefit from that. And your system allows that feature. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit of breathing room for, uh, for us. When we were first married, it was $5 a month and it made all the difference, it literally made all the difference for us. I was like, Oh, I can keep doing this. Julie wouldn't spend hers. Of course. And I would spend, I would run out, you know, like within two days. So what did, like, you, you, run out of what did you buy with your $5? I need to know what. <laughs> it was, yeah, just a donut every other day or so walking past. I was on my way to class. It was part of my routine. It was Starbucks. Don't judge. Don't judge people. It was a donut. I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> of Starbucks. That's great. That's great. No, we're, we're, we're both just cheap. <laughs> so that's one way to well, let me ask you this, Laura, like, any sort of. If you're cheap, but what do you want your money to do? Like, what's your biggest goal with money? Well, we have various things. I mean, we um, like to be in charge of our lives. Um, and, you know, we, we are at the happy place where we do work because we want to work. Yeah. Um, and that's great. We are sending, you know, want to have our kids have a good life. Um, we are creating a happy home um, with lots of fun experiences. Um, we actually are uh, made a somewhat interesting decision for us that we purchased recently a historic house and are now renovating it. 
which cool. yes involves more money than we tend yeah, to spend but on experiences things. galore but it's it's going to be quite the experience and living in there with our our five kids is, is going to be a, a new and exciting chapter so like those that. are the things we we tend to prioritize so experiential like that's top of your mm-hmm. list okay yeah yeah, yeah you, that's that's phenomenal that you can be clear on that and then we we kind of are wired in that same way like we don't really want to do I don't know, go to some random place on a sun or like Saturday and go to a museum, but we'll definitely spend three months in New York with the kids to like blow their minds, you know? And that's the experiences. Are, that's what gets Julie going, you know, for sure. So. So I have a question for, um, you know, the various budgeting categories people have. Are there any categories that you think people should actually try to spend more on that you think people are generally under allocating for? In your case, you found it was the groceries that you you needed to put a little bit more money into. Are there, uh, I'm sure there are categories people put too much into, but are there things that um, people people tend to under invest in? Well, you'd mentioned um, when we were recording the, my podcast, you'd mentioned laundry Sarah, you were like, if you don't want to do laundry, if you don't want to fold laundry, just have someone do it. And I think in some ways you could look at where you really just don't find joy. And I don't, sometimes you just got to buck up, you know, and just like do the thing. It's, that's, and that's great. But there are things that we found like a little help. I mean, we, with the seven kids, like some help for Julie, where she gets a little breathing room and has someone come in and help her out a little bit. That to me is, I would spend three times if the person said, "Hey, it's actually three times what I told you." I I would just be like, "Okay," because it's there's so much value there. It was like, and with a one year old, like the the first year is crazy, and so you can't really make any plans based on how things are in that year. But it was interesting when we I got uh, we refound someone else to help Julie because our our um, Laura that had come and helped out for so long, not you, Laura, not to confuse people that are listening, but you would be great. We would love to have you, you know, but it was, um, she, she went and got a job full time. And so she couldn't help out anymore. And so we found someone else. And the, uh, the second day that that person came, I came back from the office and this is going to sound super cliche, but Julie is into the sourdough thing like everyone else was a year ago. She couldn't because of the baby. So she was, she was late to sourdough, but she had made sourdough bread. And I saw them on the counter and I thought, oh, Julie's back. She's back. Because that's the kind of thing that she would naturally do if she had some bandwidth. So this is the longest answer to the question. You find, you find things where you're like, this, the value here is tremendous. And just double down on that. And at some point, yeah, I, I don't want to have a live-in person. Like, I don't think the value's there. But look at a few of those that just bring you a lot of joy that like release a stress valve or whatever it is. And yeah, fun that, you know, enjoy it, bask in it even. We are all about spending on ways to make daily life better. Sarah, did you have any other questions? I know we're going to have to, Sarah is no, in her job. She's going to have to go just, see a patient at like one o'clock. So <laughs> just, that, just that he was speaking our love language. Our love language and, be- here. and before we head off, we should have him give us a love of the uh, week. Love of the week. Yes. Yeah. So Jesse, Sarah and I always end each episode with a love of the week, something that is, you know, rocking our world at the, at the moment. We, we can go first to give you a minute to, to think about it. Sarah, did you, <laughs> am I on the spot now first? <laughs> No, I'll go. Um, so 
I guess my love of the week today, I'm like looking around my office. Oh, okay. Well, I'm super into the new day designer planner. That's really dorky, but their release is this week. And you know, I love planners and that's my love of the week. I've been playing with it and I really like it. So I'll go with the pandemic carbs theme here. Um, my daughter and I actually made handmade pasta, like homemade pasta um, recently. I'm not going to say it was the best pasta ever. Like, I think we're still working on it. Need to get the dough thinner and slice it thinner um, in order to avoid a little, you know, chewiness of of the result. But, uh, you know, we've been branching out. We tried the sourdough. That didn't work so well either. Some rolls have turned out better in cookies. The pasta, I think, is a work in progress. Uh, Jesse, how about you? I just finished a book. Are books sometimes love of the week? Sure. Oh, bo- okay. books are always love of the week. I, I, I am a big fan of Cal Newport that wrote Deep Work five years ago. And his latest book, I, I think it's called A World Without Email. And I loved it. I was trying to find five minutes to just grab it and read a little bit. Uh, it really helped me think about questioning how things are done, like how value is created, how I run things. And not really like for time optimization, but just the fact that email kind of is imposed upon us and and we've never stepped back and said, well, is this the way that we should do this work? And so that that book, I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I hope that uh, he runs, you know, does podcast rounds in his interview to 10 because I'd love to listen to him on all these different places. Well, he's well, been on he's, Sarah's, yes. <laughs> oh, Sarah, you Yes, I will, I will have to send you the link. Okay. He was on Best Laid Plans. Excellent. And yes, I'm a super fan. I love Cal Newport. Yes, well, Jesse, hopefully your employees aren't having to check their email every six minutes. No. Our <laughs> bane, the bane of that. our existence is Slack. It's it's like, oh, oh, like, no. oh we don't well, do yes, email. Which is even worse. Then, yeah, it's yes. like, okay, this is just as bad or worse. So yeah, we got to figure it out. <laughs> Oh, Before we go, just remind our listeners where to find you if they want to learn more or Absolutely. try You Need a Budget. Yeah. So you can go to youneedabudget.com. But if you're optimizing for time, you can just type in ynab.com, Y-N-A-B. And then you're there too. Um, <laughs> save yourself three save yourself seconds so and much type time. <laughs> yeah. And then what will you do with it? You know, think about that. Um, but you can also listen to our podcast. It's the You Need a Budget podcast where you can listen to this sultry voice for a few minutes every week. And then I do have a book. It was uh, back in when we were in Manhattan a few years ago. We launched a book called You Need a Budget. And uh, Audible seems to be the way people like to consume that. So anyway, we're, we're to be found for sure. You can listen to Jesse's voice telling you that you, in fact, yes, need a budget. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. All right. Well, Sarah, why don't you tackle this this question? Yeah, this is over. a perfect on-theme budget-related budget question. Related. I didn't even mean to do that, but now I'm happy that I did. So this person writes, thanks for all you do on Best of Both Worlds. Can I ask you a don't skimp on childcare question? So I guess she already knew the answer. Specifically, is it insane to spend <laughs> nearly 75K annually on childcare? Context. I'm a physician. My husband is an attorney, and I fi- suspect our financial situation has some parallels to yours in terms of earnings, goals, values, etc. We have twin three-year-olds currently in care with a full-time nanny who we love and depend on. They are starting in a Montessori school in the fall, and my husband and I are trying to figure out how that changes our childcare structure. Because the school runs from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. for nine months of the year with a three-month summer break, we've considered many options for childcare. However, we keep coming back to the idea that we keep our nanny for at least 40 guaranteed hours per week plus the school tuition. I realize finances are, finances are exceedingly personal, and at the end of the day, if we are meeting our savings goals, then it shouldn't matter. But at 50 k a year for our nanny and 22 k a year for school tuition, this is the, the writer's numbers, 
Does it seem insane and unseemly to spend the price of a new Mercedes every year on childcare? Is that number shocking or is this just the price of doing business in a dual career couple? So first of all, I have to say like, maybe one of the reasons we don't have any Mercedes (laughs) (laughs) is because all the money is going elsewhere. Yep. Um, So my one word answer, she asked if it was shocking and I'm like, well, whatever the opposite of shocking is, that's kind of more my, my emotions about that. I mean, our numbers are higher than that if it makes her feel any better. And I don't really have that much, um, it just is what it is. Maybe because I'm farther into it. Maybe if you had told me that in the beginning, like it, it would have shocked me more. But like, yeah, I I think that there are few other things that I would rather spend my money on than peace of mind regarding my children so that I can work. Like, I, I mean, I, I really, and also education or activity type expenses like that is what I value. And I am lucky, as are you, to have a a well-compensated job. So that's kind of the price of doing it that way. But I I feel like it's been fully worth it, if that helps. I'd so much rather have great childcare and a good school situation than a new Mercedes. So I feel like it would be more shocking if you'd be like, well, we shouldn't send our kids to a good school and have a good nanny. Let's get the Mercedes instead. Like that would strike me as as a wee bit more... um, shocking. Uh, so I, I think this, this woman's values are in the, in the right place. Um, and so no, I don't think that's shocking either. Um, you know, if you have kids, you're paying any private school tuition for, um, as Sarah and I both are right now, um, partly because of the COVID situation with hybrid remote school, we both have children that just weren't going to thrive in that situation. And so we needed full-time in-person school. And so both of us elected to do private school for those particular children this year. And then, you know, full-time childcare, if you want a good person, you pay a salary that is commensurate with that. So yeah, of course you're going to get numbers that are, as this woman said, you know, 70 or more thousand dollars a year. But I would point out if she is paying 72,000, that is uh, what, 36 per person, per adult in her household. If she is a physician and her husband is an attorney, I would not be surprised if each of them are, in fact, earning more than 200000 a year and possibly more than that, um, 200 300 easy. And so it's not really a big chunk of that. Um, it's, I mean, it is a chunk. But on the other hand, you're better off if this is something you would want to do with your life, that you would like to continue working as a physician who is able to concentrate on your job, then you are much better off having this as an expense, um, then thinking you should somehow be saving money on it. And so I totally agree that they've considered many options and they are coming to the right one. I will go ahead and put my vote there that you have three-year-olds. They're only in school for five hours a day, five days a week for th- nine months a year. Like this, They're this gonna is get not sick. worth it. There's going to be a million vacation days. They're, they're going to get sick. You're going to need like, a break because they're twins. <laughs> yeah. Both of them, uh, you know, both of them could get sick. Both of them, you know, you could have, again, school closures for things. Um, there will be random days off. Like we have conference days off for stuff. I and mean, it's just, there's so many reasons. Like if, if, especially if she's a physician who has to work in person, like you can't do it. I mean, and, and, you know, presumably he can't really cover it that easily either. So, you know, no. We approve of your setup. Yeah. All right. So not shocking at all, listener, and for anyone else who is facing those numbers as well. 
All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We have been talking all things money with the You Need a Budget folks. We'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.